Gentani, and welcome to the Godfather, Godfather Minute. Minute. I'm Alex Robinson. And I'm Joey Zaza. And we're here to talk about the Godfather, Godfather. Minute 160. 160. Alex, repeat after me. A minuto. A minuto. Numero. Numero. Cento. Cento. Sesanta. Cento sesanta. Cento sesanta. Cento sesanta. And before we get into the I don't mix, believe in Santa. <laughs> Say it. Say Santa. <laughs> Santa. <laughs> Do you think the uh, Corleones, uh, Mama, Mama, and Papa tried to fool the kids into believing there was Santa Claus? Huh. Uh, you know what? You'll have to ask your uh, Italian scholar friend what the. I'm going to say no. Mm, how come? You think it's a newer tradition? Well, it does. I mean, it, I don't know anything about how Italians or Sicilians celebrate Christmas, mm-hmm. but the idea of them letting someone come into your home and dropping things off seems very like does not seem like a very Sicilian thing to do. <laughs> Clemenza would have been a great Santa Claus. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I guess maybe when they were like American, I think maybe when they moved out to Long Island, they did. It's hard to imagine um, Robert De Niro era. Uh, Don Corleone doing that. Yeah. And climbing in from the fire escape or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tessio do it. Tessio dress up. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, um, there won't be a, a, a single place in Brooklyn I can park my sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> Everything with him is ho. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> we've got now, now it is as. as it is now, we've got the gambling, we've got the muscle, now we just need the reindeer. <laughs> and he saves the pigeon in the pantry for last. <laughs> anyway, let me give a summary of this yes. minute that we're about to talk about. 160. Which neither of... <laughs> does Clemenza appear in it? Yes. He does appear. Briefly. In it. Very okay. briefly. Um, minute 160, the baptism of... Uh, Michael Francis Risi uh, royals on as we hear Mikey assert that he believes in the almighty power of the father. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Al telling Barzini's chauffeur to move along and we see Chi Chi finishing his haircut mm. as the tension mounts. Getting close, Alex. So by the way, we have 17 minutes left mm-hmm. and that's credits and all. Uh huh. And I only have 14 pages left in the book. Oh boy. Yeah. It's not, not much a lot left. of pages. It's not too late to turn around. <laughs> Should we start over again? <laughs> you should have read the book slower. Yeah, well, we, maybe we can just start working our way backward. Well, also, you while... You the clock. That was cool. That's... Uh, <laughs> turn me on, boy. <laughs> well, uh, so speaking of counting down, uh, why mm-hmm. don't we debut the new countdown song for let's our regular listeners? It. Yes, let's do it. We debuted it for our uh, Patreon supporters, but we have not uh, done it on the regular show yet. So, uh, so take it away, Andy, the orchestra leader. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It, I'm trying to remember what it's called. <laughs> Can't do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, here, here you go, listeners. It is uh, Tom Hagen featuring Tom Hagen singing the classic 
Not even for old time's sake. You had a plan And it was perfect But only if Mikey would go along plan can go wrong I can't do it Sally not this time Sally it's a chance my client can't take no I can't do it Sally not this time Sally It's a time to go to Brooklyn. The last place that you can hang your hat all the arrangements have been made. Arrangements to find the Next time we have to have you bring it in, Alex. I'll like Casey Kasem style. Mm, totally.
So what do you think? Long distance dedication to my friend Salvatore Tessio. <laughs> I love it. Going all the way out to Brooklyn. It's very different than the other countdowns. Mm-hmm. Much more, um, what, uh, what would you say, uh, contemplative? Yeah. Just say it's, it's more um, somber? Yeah, it, it's so the genre is country, old country, a la Hank Williams, George Jones. Oh, not, not the old country like Mustache <laughs> Pete, not that kind of. Yeah, not, mm, dun, dun, mm, dun, dun, <laughs> not old, old Sicilian country. So I was going for an Americana, old timey, classic country feel. Mm. And so I think the lyrics kind of fit that. Those, those lyrics tend to be on the sadder side. Melancholy. Heartbreaks, yeah, yes. and desperation, loneliness. Yeah. What am I going to do? <laughs> well, awesome. So uh, how many minutes now left until he disappears? 17 minutes. Oh, no, no. 17 minutes left in the movie, and he disappears. I think it's in about six minutes. Six minutes. Wow. Yeah. This is going to be our least played song. Yeah. Yeah. Just got it in just in time. So now don't forget, you got to start working on your closing uh, closing arguments yeah. for minute 172 or whatever it is. So... I thought a little bit about this instead to preface GF2. Can I do a GF2 opening song? No, that's a totally different song. You have to do a closing GF1 song and an opening GF2 song. Mm, Okay. Hmm, okay. And your opening of GF three song should be should start with a recap of the two <laughs> of the two uh, previous movies. Oh, it's a it's a master mix of the, just it's just all the songs spliced together. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hmm. Maybe the last song for GF one should should be a recap of the whole movie instead of a countdown. I and mean, it doesn't oh, make yeah, sense totally. to a countdown. Yeah, it should be like a summation of the whole yeah. movie. Like da dun da dun dun we started with Bona Sarah. Here's a concession. He wanted justice for his girl. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a concession I'll give to you. All right. The song you write for the closing of GF one, you can basically just re you can um use the same song, but just redo it for GF two with slightly different lyrics. You mm, know what I mean? Okay. Like a kind of revolution, revolution number one sort of thing to use our oh, Beatles uh, analogy. Got it. Or and- uh yeah. And so the lyrics of the GF1 closer will be a recap. Mm-hmm. And are you suggesting the lyrics for the GF2 opener will be uh, not a not a summary because we don't want to load it with spoilers, but but maybe some I don't know what you call it uh, rhetorical questions, I guess. Yeah, it can be like one of those like previously on The Godfather, where you tell people what they need to know. Well, why wouldn't they just listen to the previous song then? Because that song, because the new song would be specifically, like, you wouldn't talk about Clemenza, because Clemenza has nothing to do with GF2. Mm, you know what I mean? Okay. So you'd specifically just only refer to stuff that was GF2 relevant. That's like, hard to do, though, because you don't want to, the movie hasn't started yet. Right, but so you want to do, like, a previously on. Okay. And then you talk mm-hmm. about just about the stuff that, like, oh, we're moving out to Las Vegas, all the stuff that was relevant to Got it. GF2. Maybe that's the maybe that should be done in rap form, and okay. you and I can both do it. Okay. Yeah, we'll yeah. do we'll do a, a, it'll be a Hyman Roth and Frank Fantangeli rap. Where, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they're the two new characters who we kind of have to set up, and we can... Uh, yeah, that's right. So... Uh, I wasn't in the first one, but now I'm here. We ran molasses, and now we're moving to beer. You'll see me more in this sequel now. 
<laughs> and you will you'll see how I make money for my partners and how. <laughs> that well, would be funny if each there's each each chunk of the rap is sung in the voice of a different character presenting what what the possibilities for them could be this movie. Mm. Okay. I like it. Well, you don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Well, so last time we talked about Al, let's talk about minute 160 for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Last week we talked about Al being a former cop Mm -hmm. and we were both amused by the fact that he (laughs) moves the show, moves Barzini. I assume that's Barzini's chauffeur. Yes. Moves him along. And um, do you think that the the chauffeur, he he knocks on the thing, Uh (laughs) gives the guy a side eye, then he knocks on the thing, gestures for the guy to move along. And the, the chauffeur like raises up his hand like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. So does the chauffeur does the chauffeur recognize Al as a police officer? Does he have experience seeing Al as a police officer? You know what I mean? Like was this Al's beat when oh back when he was I a cop? So the the chauffeur's like, "Oh, I totally recognize that police officer." Wow, I didn't even think that was possible. But I guess people do get to know cops in certain neighborhoods. Yeah, especially if you're a uh, especially if you're a crime boss's chauffeur who's probably illegally parking all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it's your it's your job to know cops in certain neighborhoods. Although you'd it's think not it's your you'd... job to be as confused as he is. <laughs> Women and children can be confused. Yeah. Um, I do have an answer to that question that's in the book, but go continue. Well, I'm going to say a strike against that would be the fact that if he in fact did know uh, Sergeant Sergeant o- o- Neary, uh Nearly. <laughs> Sergeant O'Neill is walking the beat. Um, <laughs> then he would know that he was a stickler for rules and holding up his hand to to hold him off would not work. You know what I mean? Yeah. He would yeah. know that this guy's a real jerk who, mm-hmm. who is going to make me move along. So yeah. I think he just thinks he's a cop and does not recognize <laughs> him as Officer Near or Nearly. Hey, before I answer that question, uh, Sergeant O'Neill is a cop on the beat. He's just doing his job. Da, da, da. And that was no heart attack. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> wow, you really bridged. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a flash forward. <laughs> For 30 years, he's been dying from the same heart, heart attack. attack. Ha, 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 ha. He ought to die now. <laughs> he ought to die, man. Well, you make, can, <laughs> at least you can make money for your partners. Uh-oh. Um... And he, and he gave you a good deal. Mike, we're bigger than U.S. Steel. <laughs> That's why I want a smaller piece. Da, 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 I want a smaller piece. <laughs> that's, that's the hook of the song. It's actually about cutting a smaller piece of cake. <laughs> Before you cut the cake, make sure you enjoy, joy, 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 joy. <laughs> All right, back to the minute. Yes. Puto writes, page 428. Yeah. Uh, Al, so Al put on his, his, old, his, his old cop uniform. It's his, mm. it's his actual cop uniform and badge and all that. He was allowed to, I guess he said he fell between there, the cracks. He yeah, or some admin there. oversight. Yeah. Or was there? Mm. Al Neary started walking down the avenue. He had a queer feeling being back in uniform, patrolling the streets as he had done so many times. Oh, that does make it sound like he's on the same. Yeah, well, you know what I realize is so funny? What? Do you remember last minute I I talked about when he was on the beat 
uh, in Midtown on the east side where the UN is. Right, yeah. He got all bent out of shape because people were double parking their cars. That's right. <laughs> so then we see that again. That's why he gets so mad. He really hates double parking. Yeah, he doesn't even know that this is Barzini's guy. Yeah. He didn't even know that was, that was Barzini up on the steps. He was just so mad. <laughs> he didn't even know if Barzini was going to be in the car. <laughs> That it might not for- even be Barzini's chauffeur, Al. <laughs> they should have had, like, the if you watch that scene for longer, like, every car that pulled up, he would have been like, hold on, hold on. Breaks a window. He actually arrested the, the guy. <laughs> <laughs> smashing their windshields like he did with the diplomats. <laughs> There's your windshield. There's your windshield. I hope when they do GF5, uh, when they do Godfather 5, and it's a flashback to... Um, what was it going to be with the one that when Vincent was rising up? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I hope we learn about why Al Neri, like the secret origin of Al Neri as to why, like his parents <laughs> were killed by someone who was like, his parents died in an ambulance because someone was double parked or something uh-huh. like that. You know what I mean? That's why it's like Batman now with double parking where that's his one thing that he just cannot abide because he can't just have some OCD. There has to be some tight story that drives him to yes. break people's hey, I'm from the Star Wars universe. You learn that every single Everything. aspect of a character is a result of a single transformative moment that something happened to them and altered their life forever. So uh, well, what do they call that in storytelling? The, or- the secret origin, the origin of Al Neri. That's that's it. The secret origin. Yeah, the origin would be like Superman coming from another planet, mm. Spider Man getting bitten by a radioactive bug, Batman's oh, parents getting killed. I love it. Right. <laughs> I love it. He was bitten by a radioactive policeman and a <laughs> radioactive traffic cop. What else you got? Oh, for let's me see. In the book? So uh, just to finish up this thought, Puto writes there were crowds of people there, so that's different because mm. in the movie it's just him and the show, chauffeur. Yeah, he walked downtown and he, until he was in front of Rockefeller Center, across the way from St. Patrick's Cathedral. Hmm. On his side of Fifth Avenue, he spotted the limousine he was looking for. It was parked nakedly alone between a whole string of red and no parking and no standing signs. <laughs> Starts blowing his top. <laughs> that, that If this were a comedy or maybe not, not even a comedy, they would, you'd start to see those flashbacks like, Oh yeah. Oh, totally. like, oh. All yeah. the diplomats double parking, ignoring yeah. Oh, laughing yeah. as they drink their champagne. And yeah. They're wearing like, furs. Yeah. They're actually sitting in the cars while they're double parked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be like Mr. Howell type of guys. And they all, they all pull Mary, up. Mary, my boy. <laughs> yeah. They all pull up and double park not just double park, but they, they corner him in. Oh. So they, all their bumpers pull right up to him. He can't even walk. He can't even move because oh he's my cornered. And I could totally see the shot would be from above when you'd see him boxed in. Almost like yeah. the shot of the Don getting killed. Like yeah. It would be like one of those crane shots. <laughs> yeah, sort of. yeah. yeah. A crane shot. It's a crane shot. <laughs> uh, Neary slowed his pace. He was too early. Mm. He stopped to write something in his summons book and then kept walking. He was abreast of the limousine. He tapped its fender. Wait, why did he write so just to slow himself down? I think, yeah, I think he was just biding time. Mm, I wonder what he wrote. Oh, wow. You think he was journaling? His therapist had <laughs> his had things re- are like all his, it's just diary entries about how much he hates double parkers and how they should be killed. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's his, uh, it's his uh, like active shooter manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Or do you think he's actually writing tickets for people? <laughs> he, he, old habits die hard. He's back in uniform. <laughs> uh, 
the Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> he was abreast of the limousine. He yeah. T- he tapped its fender with his nightstick. The driver looked up in surprise. Neary pointed to the no standing sign with his stick and motioned the driver to move his car. The driver turned his head away. Oh, bad move. Oh. Bad move. Because remember, Neary was a badass. Mm-hmm. Neary walked out into the street so that he was standing by the driver's open window. The driver was a tough-looking hood, just the kind he loved to break up. Mm. Neary said with deliberate insultingness, Okay, wise guy, you want me to stick a summons up your ass, or do, oh. you, want to, or do you want to get moving? Whoa. <laughs> Al, can you give him a summons? Because <laughs> he needs to pay money. <laughs> <laughs> The driver said impassively, you better check with your precinct. Just give me the ticket if it'll make you feel happy. Get the hell out of here, Neary said, or I'll drag you out of that car and break your ass. Uh, This is interesting. Two asses in back-to-back sentences from Neary. Yeah, I don't think, as a cop, can you talk that way anymore? I don't think, you can't say that. You you can't say that. What? (laughs) Puzo writes, this is interesting. I don't see, I, you don't see this in the film. The drive so the book is different than the movie? The book is different than the movie. The book is different than the movie. The book is different than the movie. The book is different. The book is different. The book is different than the movie. The driver made a $10 bill appear by some sort of magic. Whoa! He must, he must work for uh, Tatalia. <laughs> Bruno Tatalia. You mean Tatalia. <laughs> Maybe that is Bruno Tatalia. <laughs> Remember, he was an illusionist. It's true. <laughs> he folded it into a little square using just one hand and tried to shove it inside Neri's blouse. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, folding you with one hand is a pretty good trick. Yeah. And then, to, and so he made it appear like magic and then folded it up into a tiny little square and then put it into his blouse. Tried to shove it into Neri's blouse. His blouse. Yeah. <laughs> so like, isn't it like his cleavage or something? <laughs> He's like wearing this ruffled. <laughs> like a pirate shirt. <laughs> well, he's an undercover cop. <laughs> Neary moved back onto the sidewalk and crooked his finger at the driver. I don't like the tender. I don't like the saw book, <laughs> chauffeur. <laughs> I find that I find that as an insult. <laughs> he folded the ten dollar bill with one hand. Uh, the driver came out of the car, and Uh-oh. I'll stop there because it's in a later minute where we see Neary interacting well, right. with, with the driver outside yeah, the car. We don't see that yet. Yeah, yeah. So I'll stop stuff. there. So very, very surprised that Neary's wearing a blouse back on duty. Yeah, that's but that's a regulation blouse. <laughs> what do you think? Why do you think Puzo used that word? Is that an old word for shirt or or a uniform? Feel, I don't know. I've, I've never heard it. I guess in modern times, it's pretty much you only hear it applied to like a women's a woman's top. Yeah, I've never had a gentleman tell me, "Oh yeah, I, I got to buy a new blouse." <laughs> yeah, so Al Neary with his uh, cop's blouse and slacks. So what do you make of that blouse? <laughs> blouse is one of those words like drapes where it's just kind of automatically funny. <laughs> what about trousers? Trousers isn't as funny. 
What about dungarees? Dungarees are a good one. That's one you don't hear. Right are now. those, what are dungarees? I think it's just jeans. Oh, okay. Or blue jeans as they used to be known. Mm. That was Neil Diamond's original lyric. It's forever in dungarees. <laughs> forever in dungarees. But it added an extra beat. It's forever in dungarees. <laughs> Is there anything else from the book that's different? <laughs> forever in dungarees. Anything about Cheech or? Um, no, nothing in there about Cheech. Uh, there's some stuff ab- about really the next stuff in the book is about the upcoming scenes. There's a little bit about the preparation, Rocco getting a ride to, mm-hmm. uh, to his, his assignment. Yeah. Getting a ride. Yeah. So yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. Al Neary gets a ride to, to the city uh-huh. to confront Barzini uh, by two of Rocco's guys. Huh. Yeah. I can't believe they cut that out. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so nothing really. Uh, well, here's something about the movie that we're watching. Are you saying the movie is different from the book? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing that was jarring for me was we've been listening to them speak Latin for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we're hearing Michael, do you reject Satan? And all like, it's suddenly like in English. I was like, uh, it was very jarring for me yeah. to suddenly speak. Did you have to answer if you believed in the father and all that when you did your, when you were a father, when you were Gosh, a, I don't, I don't remember. It is also interesting that he asks him if he believes in the, in the almighty power of the father, mm-hmm. when the whole reason he got into this mess is because of his, he's taking on the powers of his father. Yeah. yeah. So it's really like a, uh, you know, Michael did the priest, is it me or did the priest repeat that? Did he say, do you accept the power of the father? The power of the father? <laughs> I don't think so. It just haunts him forever. <laughs> we used to give out communion wafers. <laughs> Never mind, messed it up. Communion wafers with your father. Yeah. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, um, and also I, uh, apparently in the mid sixties is when, um, Latin, uh, the, the, the Vatican had a big meeting and it was allowed for people to start doing sermons in language other than Latin. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, okay. Yeah. And now they hmm. say some people can go to Catholic church their whole life and never hear a Latin, a Latin sermon. Hmm. Yeah. So I was uh, in Central, I lived in Central America for a year studying abroad, Alex, you remember. And who was she? (laughs) uh, Yeah. Oh, Michael. (laughs) I want to book Passage on the Queen to Central America. (laughs) And I was traveling in Nicaragua one time and I used to go into churches because it was one of the, it was just a cool thing to do. There were these old, old Spanish churches from the conquest period. Wow. And uh, a few of them were, their mass was in Latin. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if yeah. it was, I don't remember if it was common or whether it was just a special occasion. Maybe I was there around Easter or something. I don't know. Well, if you speak Spanish, it's probably a little easier because I don't know, because yeah. I like to think of Spanish as like a Latin language. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it must be at least, a, it must be like listening to like something you can listen like half you can understand like half of it yeah and you know your mortal soul's at stake why would you want to listen to why would you want all the details yeah that's good enough <laughs> just sign here sign here <laughs> trust us you don't really need to worry about the fine print <laughs> sounds like a twilight zone episode <laughs> <laughs> it says here's sick transit glorious etc etc <laughs> 
You stole holy water. The communion wafers must be destroyed and replaced. You get nothing. Let the record show that we recently watched uh, mm. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's right. And you made us skip right to the, the scene where, the, where they enter the factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you saying none of the earlier scenes have merit? No, I think some of the some of them. I mean, you could probably squeeze it down to about five minutes. It should just be the prologue of the story. Hmm. There are some funny bits where they where you meet the kids. Yeah, that part's right? good. But then, like him getting the, there's a false ticket and basically all the sad yeah. musical numbers they should get rid of. What about the candy store number? Eh. Yeah, drop it. Unless you, you know. want to make it into now redo it as like a hip hop number. We'll be all. Mm. Yeah, or my name's the candy man. I'm here to say, <laughs> gotta buy some candy today. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've got all kinds of flavor. We we've got different flavors, strawberry and grapes. And when we get the candy money, we put it behind the drapes. <laughs> you know what I was just thinking of? Because <laughs> <laughs> remember that was a yeah. Candy store. <laughs> Stored the money behind the drapes. <laughs> Um, Put it behind the drapes. What about if we remake Willy Wonka? <gasps> will you mash up Willy Wonka with the Godfather? Oh, yes. And Willy Wonka is the titular Godfather, and there's all the other people who are going to possibly, <laughs> like, there's Sonny and Fredo, and, like, gradually they all get eliminated until Michael's the last one left. Yes. He's like, you did it. You did it, Michael. You, you got the factory. You passed the test. <laughs> you got the crime factory. I'm so happy for you. The crime factory. Yeah. <laughs> I have two comments. One, that's an awesome idea. Yeah. And two, we talked about that. Did we really? We did a few episodes ago. No way. Yeah, not, not that long ago. <laughs> but about them. About- yeah, and we compared. I think we did it in a bonus content where we compared, like, who would Fredo be? And which basically which character would be which kid? Oh my kid. gosh, yeah. that's crazy! Yeah, and Michael wow. would be Charlie because he's the one that wins. Gosh, yeah. Was I here for this? Well, now I'm now you got me questioning. I'm pretty sure we talked about that, huh? Yeah. Anyway, well, scratch it then. Yeah. We erase all that stuff. Okay. That's all I have for this minute, though. Unfortunately, yeah. There's not much. Yeah, it's just a lot of Latin. We got to rate it, and I do want to share one review that a listener posted. Well, do tell. Should I do that now, or should we rate it? Uh, let's rate it. Let's rate it. And let's then we'll rate it, it. Wrap yeah. it up, and then I'll read this wonderful, wonderfully touching review. Yes. Okay. You got yours, Alex? Okay. I'm ready. One, two, three. Mm. I gave it three because uh, now I love the story of Almiri and him tapping on the window. It adds a new, ah. it adds a new resonance to the story. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a three. <laughs> Because then you can lean over to someone in the movie and go, Al Neary used to be a cop, and that's yeah. why he does, you know, you have to explain yeah. it. You get to mansplain it to somebody. Yeah. And wow. he was traumatized by smashed windshields <laughs> and people double parking. His parents were killed by someone who double parked. <laughs> His parents were killed by Batman's parents. <laughs> and they were double parked because they were going to the theater, so it got complicated. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they were going back to their car. Mm-hmm. And they they never got there because obviously they 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 met their fate. Yeah. So that's why the car was stuck there where you know it was double parked. Yeah. Well, they probably had a chauffeur. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what they had to show for it. Mm. They. Oh, and uh, and Al Al wasn't even supposed to be dressed as a cop, but he begged Michael to just wear his old uniform just for the scene, so he could sign write summons. And he could kill Pazzini. I wish that Al Neri wore a cop uniform all the time in the movie. <laughs> when he was like in the, uh, like at the, meeting up with Mo Green and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. stuff. So, uh, 
That would right. be so, so weird if you had a, if you had a friend who always wore weird. a police uniform. Yeah, and they weren't a cop. <laughs> I don't know if that would be disturbing, or you just get so used to it. I think I would get used to it, and I would try to take advantage of it in certain in, in social situations. You know, that's how Alfalfa died. <laughs> Did I tell you that story? You did tell me that where you hired an did actor. Did we tell uh, it on the air? I don't remember. So long story short, Carl Schweitzer, the actor who played Alfalfa, was trying to get money back from a former friend. It was something like 50 bucks. It was not and spanky. Not spanky. No, it was disputed. And so Alfalfa had a friend who was an a- another, another actor. And he had this friend dressed as a cop to go with him to this guy's house to pretend he was a cop to add to increase his leverage and it went south fast and the the guy's former friend shot him dead shot alfalfa dead shot alfalfa dead not the cop not the cop what did the cop what did the fake cop do i don't know what he did but he testified that so so the former friend the guy who shot alfalfa said that alfalfa pulled out a knife right former friend said that was not true and the police who, the real police who arrived on the scene found him with a knife, but it was folded in such a way that it didn't look like he had it open. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so. So you're saying it was Al so Neary. It may have been Al Neary. <laughs> That's yeah. how he got the idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, would, he would rent himself out to, uh, to his deadbeat friends. To, uh... <laughs> I think we've got maybe a merch item brewing here. If I, if one of my friends had some, um, thing where they always wore a police uniform mm-hmm. and basically like every time we went into a store together, I'd be like, act like you arrested me or something like, and, and like, uh. you know, like I would go, I would go walking around with my hands together. Like I was handcuffed with, mm. whenever I was with them just for a show or to, for some other purpose. No, just so that people would think I'd been arrested. Okay. Um, I, I thought you were doing that so that meanwhile, Ben could turn off the tractor beam. <laughs> Yes, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, although I guess then you could run into some trouble if you, uh, if you like, you encountered a real criminal or something. I guess that's what happened with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. with I guess that's what happened with Carl Falfel Schweitzer. Do you think if everyone in the in the United States wore a police uniform all the time, that would increase crime or decrease it? So, so people couldn't tell who the real cops were. I think it would increase, unexpectedly would increase crime. Hmm. Because Why? whenever someone's committed a crime, they could just blend right back into the crowd because everyone's wearing police uniforms. Oh, because <laughs> the criminals too. <laughs> yeah, that's what that. I mean. So like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or even yeah. then when you, when you, let's just say I was dressed up as a cop, I held up the store and then I ran out. Mm-hmm. then I could just have one of my friends who's also dressed up as a policeman say, oh, don't worry, I got him. You know, like, <laughs> I'll bring him downtown and then, and then yeah. just go away with him. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ben is turning off the tractor beam. Exactly. <laughs> I hope that old man got that tractor beam out of commission. Yeah. Or this is going to be a real short sentence. <laughs> I'll say it again if I have to within the very same minute. So. <laughs> All right, Alex, let me read this review. I've been meaning to read this for a few weeks. So one of our listeners posted this review on iTunes, I think, and it, it warms my heart hmm. every time I saw it. You're not a, you're not a hard-hearted man. <laughs> yeah, just a, I appreciate a good review. You appreciate a good <laughs> review, Alex. <laughs> I appreciate a beautiful review. So this is this is back in February, 
and it is from One Steel Sister. One Steel Sister. It sounds like an address. It does. One Steel Sister Plaza. (laughs) Pueblo, Colorado, 90321. Pueblo, Colorado. I always remember that being the town over all those mail order items in the 70s. (laughs) Yeah, like government government pamphlets about uh, the environment. (laughs) Yeah. So what does one steel sister have to say? One steel, uh, one steel sister writes, <laughs> I never thought a podcast about the Godfather would be described as, quote, silly. But I have so much fun laughing with the Robinson brothers every week. Andy and Alex not only thoughtfully analyze the movie, but give historical context, compare the film to Puzo's book, and create jingles that will be stuck in your head forever. <laughs> I, I really appreciated that. I can't wait until we all buy how this is the reason I really wanted to read it. I can't wait until we all buy houses in Sicily for one euro each. Nice. And just do Godfather impressions for the rest of time. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, one steel sister. That would be funny to to if if a bunch of Godfather Minute fans just thank you for that that delightful review. If a bunch of Godfather Minute fans all like got together and bought up like a whole town, that's what I'm saying. It's I really it's a fantasy, but wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, because when I totally read that, I really like, imagine us all living in this this neighborhood in this one Sicilian town. That'd be it'd be perfect. Ask me if I want to do it, Alex. Do you want to do that? No. <laughs> I mean, we could we could create an industry what a tourist attraction right i yeah. guess that you said there already there already exists some godfather tourist things uh, yeah, in Sicily, the tourists right? that t- yeah they take you around like where locations were filmed and, yeah. and stuff like that so uh, but we would we would have a, a virtual experience what do you call that it would be like uh it would be like uh what's that one in virginia yeah uh, the william william colonial williamsburg yeah we're all in character all the time yes exactly <laughs> We have to learn the only thing. The only Sicilian we know is how to count up to one hundred and seventy-seven. Yeah, and you know what? I'm <laughs> going to say it right now. Besides me and you, if we can get ninety-eight listeners mm-hmm. to join us in this, to yeah. sign this pledge to make this reality, I will purchase the uh, first hundred homes. Wow! For all of us, so you'll be like the land. You'll be like Don Don Chichi over there. <laughs> you'll be like running the whole town. Yeah, a lot of money in that real estate. Well, I say we do it on Monday. <laughs> This Monday? No!